that's here in person or online. I'm uh, Drew Smith. Uh, get the privilege of being the pastor of uh, this particular church. And uh, today we are in a uh, in the middle of a sermon series on securing the bag. You know, how do, do we... Um, secure the the resources that that we need to live how does god desire us to do that how will he lead us in securing um the bag and and today we're going to be looking at a couple actually four different proverbs different um wisdom sayings that are from the the book of proverbs in uh the hebrew uh bible And, and they the, the Proverbs address the changes, the, the challenges that we have in, in the, the real world. I mean, um, they're a good corrective, as we'll see sometimes, that we get too spiritual. You know, we get super spiritual. It's like, well, God said he's going to take care of us, so I prayed, and that's all I need to do. Um, it's good. That's a good thing to pray. But he also gives us wisdom of things that we need to do along the way because we have real questions and desires, you know, to pursue our own financial health. We, we want to make wise decisions in the arena of, of finances for our, ourselves and for our, our own family, you know. And, and some folks ask, you know, it, is it a lack of faith if I'm preparing for like my retirement? Is it a lack of faith if I buy life insurance? And, um, you know, how do we uh, buy stocks? What stocks do we buy? Some of those aren't answered here. So if you're hoping to hear from the Bible, what's the next decade's Google? You're not going to hear that. Sorry. Uh, but uh, how and should we and why some of and, and what's the, the wise principles of financial health in the real world that we live in today that God gives us? That's what we'll get to explore today. So before we dig into his word, uh, let's pray and seek his spirit's wisdom and guidance in our lives. Let's pray together. Almighty God, again, we thank you for your written word and that you do speak to us of, of truth and wisdom that has impact in our lives today. And we, we want to hear and understand and apply it in our lives because we do know what we've been singing, that you are good, that you are mighty, that you lead us in the ways of life. And so help us to hear and apply it in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, uh, our first um, uh, passage is Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, you might be like, whoa, that's in the Bible? I mean, is that what God wants? I mean, why would he tell us this, you know, that the, the rich rule over the poor? That doesn't sound like what the Bible teaches in other places. And if you're thinking that, you're right. It doesn't. So this is a a great illustration of how we need to not just take a sentence out of its context and just apply it to life. But the Bible's a story. It's it's a whole story that is before us. And we need to understand what the whole teaches to help inform us on passages like this. Because this is not what God wants. That's not what heaven is going to be like. There's no lender and borrower. There's certainly no nothing that we're enslaved to in heaven. We are freed because we are following the ways of Jesus um, with God in heaven. So we know that's not what God is affirming this reality. Um, uh, and, and if you want more information, you can go to Leviticus chapter 25. Um, it, it's the third book in, in the in the Bible. And and in that story, it tells the story of the year of Jubilee. 
And, and in that, God tells Israel, tells the nation of Israel, listen, this is, this is one of the things you need to practice. Every 50 years, everybody goes back to start. Everybody starts over. All debts are canceled. People are released from prison. Everybody goes back to their tribal homeland and starts over. That was God's design for the nation of Israel. It was actually a, a compassionate, clear direction that, that then would avoid and prevent economic division of rich and poor. It would, it would stop generational poverty or generational wealth and would bring everybody back to what they needed according to God's provision from the beginning. That's God's design. That's God's desire. That is the way of heaven. Well, all right, well then why is this here? Because this is what, how the world works. And God's giving us wisdom as to how we live in the world today. The Proverbs, again, they're not promises. They're not even ethical statements. They are speaking about how the world works today and how you do the best with what you got in your world. And basically, what God is telling us here is do whatever you can to avoid debt. Because debt will be a weight around your neck until you get rid of it. it you're going to make decisions based on the debt that you have. It's going to impact and affect your lives. It can be overwhelming. And God desires for us to experience freedom in our life with Him, including financial freedom. So do whatever you can. If you're not in debt, then avoid it. If you're in it, well, start making a plan. How do we get out of debt? It's not like debt is a sin. It's not that it's it's a sin. It's just unwise, and it limits our freedom before God. Um, in, in studying for this, one of the quotes is, Debt is like a weed that grows without rain. It has a life all its own. And, and in our in our country, um, you know, consumer debt particularly, uh, that's good debt like with credit cards, you know, and store credit and that kind of thing. In, in our country, we as a people, as Americans, we, we have on our credit cards $895 billion of debt. The, the average family has $7,000 on debt, which means the average family pays $1,300 every year in interest to credit card companies or to stores because of having credit and because it costs us money. People don't give us money for free. They charge us to have it. And that's what happens with um, debt. And, and this system, the, you know, the lender system, um, the, the, the borrower and lender, it's not gracious. There, there's no grace. It's not kind and compassionate. It is bottom line stuff. Uh, I read one guy said, you know, if ever you're feeling alone and that nobody knows you or cares about you, just miss two car payments and you'll find out. There are people that know a lot about you, your name, your telephone number, your address, your bank accounts, and other spending practices, and they will be sure to let you know that they know you. I had a friend, um, this was uh, several years ago um, now, and uh, their, uh, their, their family um, had, a car, had a car payment. So they took a loan out for four years, and so that meant they had 48 payments, and they had paid 46 of them. There were two left. 
and then they they got they were in uh, it got in trouble not because of anything that they had done but because uh, the, one of the children had significant health problems the the other car got in an accident you know all those things that happen you don't plan on and then the the company that had lent and so they they fell behind on paying the debt to the car company they only owed two payments and it, we found out it was a total of six hundred dollars. And so whoever lent them the money after they missed the second payment, they set up a time to come repossess the car. They were going to, they, they'd paid for the car, 46 out of 48, only $600 left. They were coming the next day. We didn't find out about it as our friends until that day because the, they were coming and we just raised $600 and say, here, you know, pay them off. But they weren't interested in waiting any longer. It's, that's why what God says is true. It is a weight upon your neck. You are a slave to the lender. Debt is a weed that grows without rain. Now, um, some uh, of us have made mistakes along the way. And maybe you're in the middle of that situation right now where you're agreeing, yeah, this is true. I am a slave to this debt. Well, then we want to help in any way that we can to help work your way out of that hole. That I, I know that's what God desires. That's what it's clear here. We have financial counselors here in the church. You can come talk to, to me or Pastor Daryl, and we'll, we won't help you. That's not our area. We'll pray for you, and we'll point you to the people that know that, that stuff you, you, to help you in, on that journey. Because and, and what's most important is to understand, you know, it, it, it can, if that's the case for you, it can be overwhelming and guilt producing. And you could be kicking yourself. How did I get in this situation? This is terrible. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And, and you're no different than any of us. We've all had these situations. And get this. I mean, this proverb was written over 3,000 years ago. This isn't an American problem. This is a human problem throughout history. God wrote this. So th- th- this is what God desires to lead us forward. So um, we we want to help us experience what God has called us to. So the, the first proverb then, you know, debt is a weed that grows without rain. The, the next one, Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Now, um, we, we've uh, had Thursday nights, we've had different uh, uh, gatherings for experts to sort of teach us the practical things of how to secure the bag. And the first one was on budgeting. And, and Bree shared with some of her story of getting out of debt and how when she was, uh, she and her husband with two teenagers uh, and how they had to set a plan and sort of make a plan to slowly work themselves out of debt. And it was great. And it's on online if you want to watch um, her hour and a half presentation, telling her story and giving some great, great guidelines. But at the end of her time, she read the story of the tortoise and the hare, if you remember that fable, which is really what uh, God is telling in this proverb. Slow and steady wins the race. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Um, uh, that God's not a big fan of the get-rich-quick schemes. They're alluring, man. They are alluring. You know, if, man, if I just win the lottery, all these problems will go away. You know, if I just get discovered, 
You know, I, I get discovered and for whatever it is, or oh, I can take these six classes and learn how to make millions in real estate. Yeah, that's it. Just go six hour classes for six weeks and you'll have all the secrets. It just doesn't work. It is slow and steady wins the race. It was, uh, uh, this is probably 30 something years ago that my, my family, my dad and his wife and a couple of my siblings, myself, we got into beanie babies. You remember that? Beanie babies, yeah, and and it was a brilliant uh, little scheme of getting some cute fabric and filling them with these beans, and then selling them, and then stop selling them, and then telling them they had stopped making them, so that then there'd be this sense of urgency and this sense of scarcity, and that you had to go get them, and the prices then would go up because people were selling. You know, it hit right when eBay started, you know, so they were selling these dollar ninety five things for eleven hundred dollars, you know, on eBay, you know, and so you know. I, and so this just this summer, as Kathy, my wife, and I were cleaning out the basement, we found the old McDonald's bag. It was still the original McDonald's bag. And inside of it were a bunch of these little Beanie Babies that if you went and bought a quarter pounder, you know, you could buy Beanie Baby for like 55 cents, you know, and that kind of thing. So it was double trouble. Man, your cholesterol went up and you're spending money on fabric and little beads that are inside it. Now, don't get me wrong. They were, they were, they were cute. Um, but that's... You know, and, and so we went and found them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I wonder what they're worth. Nothing. Uh, matter of fact, we, we, went and tried, uh, 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 we went to go look for them. You know, where are they? We, could, we must have given them away you know, in the last year because they were worth um, nothing. It would have been a fun little prop to, to have had. Um, but that, you know, so those get rich quick kind of schemes just don't work. Um, this, this last Thursday, uh, Tim Johnson, uh, he led the Thursday evening and it was, uh, mostly on financial legacy, not only being wise when you're uh, alive, but how to be wise with the resources at the end of life and even beyond your, your, your life. And, um, but, but Dr. Johnson regularly says, if you want to be a millionaire, it's easy. It's really easy. You just, you got to have health, you got to have time, and you you got to have just a little bit of money, and some discipline, and um, and he tells the story in a variety of ways, and you can ask him to back it up. That but it works this way: if you if the day you're born, you save a dollar a day, and now granted you get an investment that has like nine percent interest, because you know when you invest money, they they pay you money. That's what interest works in your favor that way. It's the, the plan. And uh, and that's the 9% interest isn't crazy because stock market over the course of its history averages 10% a year. So you say you put a dollar in this investment that makes averages 9% a year. Um, you put a dollar a day for every day of your life. It takes you, how many years do you think to become a millionaire? 50, it's a little low. 64. 64, 64 years, dollar a day. Now, if you want 50, you want it a little quicker, uh, that's $3 a day. Put $3 a day. Now, if you want it really quick, uh, then $15 a day, I'll get you to be a millionaire by the time you're 32. But that's the power of a little bit a day. Now, many of you uh, know the, the story of Osceola McCartney. Uh, Osceola, uh, she uh, grew up in Mississippi um, in the sixth grade uh, in the 
19, I think it was 1932, uh, sixth grade, she had to uh, um, quit school uh, because her aunt had died and her mother was sick and she had to start helping them in the laundry. And they, they worked uh, for the University of Mississippi uh, doing laundry. And so Osceola, she started in the sixth grade. Now she had a very good, healthy practice of, of saving money. She served in that capacity for 60 years. Um, uh, and for the most part, she was able to charge $10 a load as she did laundry for mostly students and staff at the University of Mississippi. Um, about 20 years into work where she was saving money, the, some of the bank workers came to Miss McCarty and said, McCarty, you know, you're saving money well, and she just had it in a savings account. There are other options for you, and so they started helping her. This is how you can save money in, in these kind of investments. And then when she retired after 60 years uh, serving uh, and working in the, the, the laundry, she uh, went to the, the bank, and uh, they put together what we learned about this last Thursday night. They put together for her an irrevocable trust. Um, I'm not going to explain it, but it's one of these deals where you can put your money in a trust, live off of it, and then decide now where the money goes when you die. Well, so she put this money in this irrevocable trust. She lived off on it for, the I think, the next 15 years after her retirement until her death. And then at her death, um, there was $300,000 that was then distributed to her church first, Friendship Baptist, right outside of Oxford, uh, way to go, Osceola. Um, then to her nieces and nephews, and then she put gave uh, sent one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the University of Southern Mississippi, where now there still exists the Osceola McCarty Scholarship Fund for students of need in the state of Mississippi who want to go to the University of Southern Mississippi. So th- this is not something that only people uh, at Amazon and Google have to do. This is a woman who did laundry for 60 years for the students at the University of Mississippi, who little by little, slow and steady, wins the race. And now, and her legacy is that she is pouring into students who get to go to college, the things she didn't get to do, now they get to do because of her, her gift. So slow and steady wins the race. All right, uh, the next one, Proverbs 21.20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Now, th- this one, this one reminded me of selling candy bars as an elementary school student. Uh, this was this was in the seventies, and I think it was for I went to I lived in a suburb called Vestavia. I think uh, we were Vestavia Cowboys, and so I think it was for my football team. And so what we would do is we'd buy the candy bars at, at twenty cents a piece. And then you're supposed to sell them for a quarter. But then you got to keep a nickel. That was big money for an elementary school student in, in the 70s, you know. So, um, but we figured out, my buddies and I figured out that if you, you know, you, you sold four of them, you could eat the fifth one for free. And so it was a deal, you know, we were selling those four, we were eating that fifth one, and then, you know, my dad found out what's happening, and he gave me one of these, one of his little proverbs, that says, son, don't eat the prophets. Because we were saying, yeah, you get to eat it for free, because it felt that way, but really, we were paying the 20 cents we'd earned by selling it for that fifth one, 
to be able to eat it for free. So we, we ate and then we finished the candy bar and then we had nothing, you know, to, to show for it, which is what this uh, particular passage is telling us that the, the wise person is the one who knows the difference between a need and a want. And the wise person is the one that can practice delayed gratification. Because that's what, what happened with this, this particular... The wise one was the one who had things that he needed, had things that he wanted, and was able to save them and keep them, whereas the foolish wanted them, wanted them now, and then consumed them in, in the moment. Now, this is a real challenge for us Americans to know the difference between a need and a want. Yeah, it's a real challenge. And I'll be, the, so I'm going to pick on myself. Yeah, I enjoy sports. I enjoy pro sports. But I have to regularly remind myself, you know, this is a want, not a need. Even though, you know, professional sports, just the five men's leagues, soccer, football, basketball, baseball, and hockey, it's a $40 billion industry. $40 billion that we spent. Now, again, I'll probably watch some of the Bengals Jets tonight. I mean, I enjoy it. So, and, and the other thing, th- this is not that wants are bad. What I, well, the other thing I love about this passage is it wasn't that, that it says water and saltine crackers are in a wise man's dwelling. You know, it, it's that precious treasure and oil. It was things that were pleasurable, things that were nice, pl- things that were, were good, that, that he wanted, that he's able to save and keep, but he distinguishes the want and needs and is able to not eat the, the profits. Um, the, uh, 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 was, it was Sharon Holland shared this with me a couple of weeks ago. She's reading a, a, a book called The Worst Journey in the World. And, and it was about these, um, uh, th- these, these men that went on this expedition in the South Pole in about 1910, uh, 1911. And so, you know, not a lot of, comforts that we have today in terms of doing this kind of hiking in the South Pole. And one particular hike was to find some uh, penguins and collect some penguin eggs. And so they went on this journey, and it was in the winter. So, you know, the South Pole, the winter is dark all the time. And so they went for weeks and even months on this expedition in the dark. It never was bright, and it was Minus 40 degrees. This is a little sideline. Uh, you know, minus 40 degrees is where uh, Fahrenheit and Celsius meet. So at trivia night, minus 40 degrees is the same. Minus 40 degrees uh, Fahrenheit is the same thing as minus 40 degrees Celsius. So that, there you go, free trivia. Um, uh, but so they went on this expedition to get these eggs, and they learned in a real hurry the difference between a need and a want. When you're carrying all your stuff with you in the midst of 40 degrees below zero, um, then you're, um, you're click, click to know you only want what you specifically need. And, and they were able to survive and make that back and even say that it was a really cleansing, helpful experience to help them dis, to discern what they needed versus what they wanted. And, and here was um, uh, one of the, the quotes from one of the, the men that went on this, this journey. He said, the, the luxuries of civilization satisfy only those wants which they themselves create. The luxuries of civilization 
satisfy only those wants which they themselves create. Amen. That that is our life in our market. We got all kinds of people telling us what we need to satisfy our lives. You know, from whatever you can buy in the store, we're we're being told um, what food, what um, a particular car, uh, what particular roofing shingle will bring our life meaning. And now those things are are good things, but they, and they can even satisfy some needs, but they are not the center of our lives. Uh, so identifying the difference between our needs and wants, that, that's, again, a real challenge. That's part of the reason why in this series we have growth groups, small groups gathering together throughout the week, then to discuss these particular passages because it's in our wisdom together, our seeking the wisdom of God and His Spirit where we learn from one another. Yeah, what is the difference between a need and a want? What are those wants that are meaningful and beneficial and how can I save for them and how can I distinguish them? Now, this Thursday uh, night is just a, a basic presentation from First Financial Bank, just on financial literacy. She's not going to give us the secret of how to distinguish between a need and a want, but give us some of these basic tools that, that help us um, uh, to, set, to follow some of God's basic guidance of, of saving a little bit at a time, of not being overcome by debt and recognizing these differences. So in, invite you to, again, th- Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Um, we'll have a, there, we also have a few uh, uh, door prizes uh, as well um, to come. So invite you to that. And if you can't come, we'll have it online as well. All right. Now the last one. Proverbs 27, 23 through verse 27. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever, and do, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the maintenance for your girls. Now, and this... This, this passage here is basically saying, hey, you need to be preparing for the future. You know, there's days when the finances are going to be gone. You need to be aware and be in, in tune with your particular financial situation so that you are prepared for the future. Um, in, the, in the growth group, if you're in one, one of your questions is going to be, um, how would you replace herds and flocks? You know, where he says, know well the condition of your flock. Know well the condition of your, how would you fill in the blank for you? I mean, I don't know that any of us here are goat and sheep farmers. So I don't think it directly applies. But what are our flocks? What are our goats? What are our lambs? Know well the condition of your flocks. Give attention to your herds because that is preparing and planning for the future. To to quote uh, a little bit from Benjamin Franklin. I think the modern day proverb here is failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And again, uh, what we can easily do as followers of Jesus is we can hide behind God. Oh, God will take care of me. I'll, I'll just pray. Well, 
the wisdom of Proverbs is saying, yeah, you need to pray. God will take care of you. And God's given you wisdom and insight and direction and resources that he's entrusted to you to, to use appropriately so that you are preparing that you are spending prudently, that you are making a plan, you, you are saving faithfully, advising wisely, giving generously. I mean, part of the, the wisdom that God has given us, how he has um, provided for us, is by giving us wisdom like the Proverbs that remind us that debt is a weed that will grow without rain. Uh, reminding us that slow and steady wins the race. Telling us, you know, remember, don't eat the prophets. And failing to plan is planning to fail. God has given you, he's given me, he's giving us the resources we need to live life to the full, to find pleasure in the gifts of God, to participate in the joyous journey of giving generously in the work that, that God does through the, through the church and in caring for the needs of the world. What, what, what a privilege that he gives us this insight and this wisdom and all the resources that he has given us. And yes, we all mess up. We've messed up in the past, but his grace abounds and he continues to lead us so that we get to participate in his work and enjoy the pleasures of his hand. And what, what a need that we get to meet for this world that, that needs to know we are more than what we possess that needs to to be discerning between all the messages that tell us what are truly our needs versus what are our wants. Uh, The ways then that we get to participate in the the generous giving and giving like God gives and caring for one another and, and sharing the good news of Jesus to others so that more people can join with us in experiencing His wisdom, His truth, His goodness. And in living this world, living this life in the joy that only he can bring. In our relationship with him, may we truly enjoy what God provides without fear and with anticipation. Amen.